Hello and welcome to K-Botak, a short podcast about Korean cinema and K-dramas, with me, John. This episode, we're going to be talking about SF8. Now, what a treat this is. I'm really glad I found this. This is an eight-part drama series that aired last year on Wavi or Wavy, W-A-V-V-E, the, uh, the big uh, company in South Korea. And it actually takes the form not of a long narrative, but eight short films, each with a different director, cast, world, and concept. Many of them are based on short stories. What they have in common is that they're sci-fi stories based around people who dreamed of a perfect world. Or rather, the ordinary people living with the fallout from the ambitions of people who dreamed of a perfect world, more often than not, which is much more relatable to you and me. Today I'm covering the first four episodes. These are largely all excellent, giving you masses to think about, high-quality sci-fi concepts that really deliver, and could almost have an episode to themselves each, but I'll try and get through four an episode across two episodes. You can watch this on anything that is syndicating Wavi in Southeast Asia. I am on View, uh, which is really good, and a really affordable uh, streaming service. The US and possibly the UK has this on Viki, Rakuten Viki that is, but you need the plus version of the subscription, annoyingly. I love sci-fi short stories. Anthologies, I like anthology fiction in any form. It is a powerful delivery system for a lot of original and creative ideas in a short space of time. I like short films too. These are all about 52 minutes and they're classic what-if sci-fi ideas. They combine speculative technology with meaty moral quandaries. And uh, I've had a really good time watching one a night over the past four nights. First up, episode one, The Prayer. This is directed by Ming Dong, who also is kind of the uh, man behind the entire series and uh, helped put this together. This features Yi Yu Young as both Kan Ho Jung, which is a robot, and Yong Jung In, who is the daughter of the patient that the robot is looking after. Uh, you may have seen Yi Yu Young in Diva, uh, Cho Pid Ho, the Dawning Rage, and she is currently in Dr. Brain, again opposite Lee Sung Kyun. Uh, it also features Ye Su Jung as Sister Sabina, who is a nun. Um, Ye Su Jung plays a lot of mums and grandmothers. Uh, she's in Along with the Gods, uh, the second movie, I think. She's one of the sisters in Train to Busan. Uh, she's in Malmoe. Uh, she is recently in Chirisan. And if you watch much Korean content, you'll just recognize her. Uh, you, uh, you know this auntie straight away. So in this uh, world and in this story, people spend their life savings to have robots that resemble them care for their sick relatives. The entry-level version of this robot seems to lack any empathy or interpersonal skills and only looks after their charge. The expensive version, like Ho-jong, has advanced reasoning and learning abilities and seems to develop strong attachments and self-awareness. So in this story, Ho-jong begins to feel sorry for Jung-in, who is driven to thoughts of suicide by her mother's condition. Uh, her mother has been in a vegetative state for 10 years, and this has hollowed out Jung-in's life, as you can imagine. Uh, Jung-in is otherwise on her own. Uh, she feels that her life hasn't moved on because of all of this, uh, 
Um, everyone else is uh, changing, doing things, growing, and she's stuck. Uh, Ho Chung begins to think um, that she should unplug the mother's life support. Now, remember, this is a machine thinking this who has been created specifically to look after that. Well, not created, but has been programmed specifically to look after this old woman. And uh, yet she has begun to think that the kindest thing for the daughter would actually be to euthanize the old lady. This is a story about uh, mercy killings, basically, and about reasoning whose life should be saved. Uh, as Ho Jong becomes convinced, and we are shown is correct, that Jung In will kill herself unless she kills the mother. We're left uh, in, in no uncertainty about this. Jung In does attempt suicide. So this is a classic and very knotty moral problem about whether you can ever intervene like that, choose who lives and who dies. It plays out really well with the robot and the daughter. There are uh, monumental performances by E. Yu Young in this as both. She is just absolutely stellar. And I'm glad I watched this because everything else I've seen her in, I think she's been in a kind of a supporting role. She absolutely kills it as a lead here, playing um, two complicated roles uh, as uh, basically doubles, and one of which starts to uh, fall in love with the other. The, the robot begins to become even romantically attached to Jungin. And uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's showing all this uh, really, uh, really well. I, I think she's a great, uh, great actor, actually. Um, a good choice to carry the first of these um, these episodes. The highlights, apart from that, I think, are the confrontations between Ho Jong and Sister Sabina uh, about the morality of euthanasia and Ho Jong's cold robotic reasoning, plus her increasingly not so cold feelings for Jung In, against the unshakable principles that Sister Sabina lives by. Do you want to see a robot? Uh, confront a nun on issues like religion, euthanasia. It's interesting just on the face of it, but add to that some fabulous imagery in the climax. And I would say this is a must watch. So just see this at a minimum if you want to try this series, The Prayer. Really strong first episode. Episode two is called Mansion, and this is directed by Rotyok. Actually, every other movie that I'm covering today is directed by a woman director. There's a lot of women directors on this project, which I like, uh, and uh, good for uh, Ming Kyu Dong putting this together, um, and uh, the the people who organise this. Uh, it's uh, it's good to see uh, female sci-fi directors uh, being given a bit of a spotlight. I like it a lot. So, in this one, you have Yi Yeonhee as Te Sanha, and Yi Donghui as Jung Ka Ram. This story is all about app addiction, destiny, and determinism. And the way those things all go together is that there's a company called Precon, uh, as in precognition, I guess, which has made this app that predicts, based on big data, what will happen during your day. It's called Manshin, which translates to 10,000 deities and has 94% accuracy. As a result of being able to know to within you know six percent error rate what is going to happen to them people are glued to their phones more than ever you think people are staring at uh, various news feeds now um, and social feeds they're living their whole lives according to mansion 
they stay at home if it says there might be bad luck uh, they play truant or don't go to work this is a scary idea it's like a combination of how hooked people get on Instagram and Facebook but it is also telling you your fortune there's even a church founded around Manshin and enter into this Sunho who has never even downloaded the app uh, she is one of the rare people who's never checked Manshin ever she lives her life and just sees what happens like we all do now and hopefully will continue to she tracks down Karam, who is the uh, kind of the pastor or preacher for this uh, weird church that has uh, sort of sprung up around this app, um, because she wants to find the developer who made the app, as she believes it is responsible for her sister's death. She wants the truth. She wants to know what the app told her sister that drove her to be in a particular place uh, where she died. Along with the concept, which is really brilliant and really thought-provoking, for me, uh, Lee Yeon-hee is the star of this one. She's effortlessly cool without ever coming across as like try-hard. Uh, it's my first time seeing her act, but I think she carries every scene. Uh, and there should be definitely more movies with her on a motorcycle in obnoxiously gigantic shades. Uh, a very good look. Honestly, the ending of this one is a bit too convenient for me. It's a common problem with sci-fi, I think, as the actual quandaries of the future... Uh, and the uh, tangled problems of technology and the uh, way that humanity will merge with technology increasingly are such a potent hook for a story that an imaginary solution to them almost always falls flat and is, uh, and is hard to enjoy in the same way. But still a really good watch. Episode 3 is Chern's Galaxy. It is directed by Yi Yun Chung. It features Kim Bora as Jun and Chae Sung Yun as Eo. And this is set in 2046 when our air has become full of heavy fine dust with visible pollution, uh, visible in the air. Humanity has become divided into what are called seas, meaning clean, and ends, non-clean. So when they're born, um, seas get an antibody injection at birth and can expect to live about 100 years uh, but they have to wear protective suits quite a lot and be careful about what they do ends don't get the antibody injection and they live about 30 years this initially causes depression among the ends and a falling birth rate as they didn't want their children to have this limited lifespan but now they throw themselves into life while the seas kind of live in fear Eo discovers that while she thought she was a C, preparing for university and so on, planning for a career, she actually didn't get the injection. Due to a mix-up at the hospital, it was given to someone else. So she sets out to find this person. Uh, she wants to see how their life is doing. And on the way, she meets Joan, who is a vivacious N, living in what's called N-Town, making the most out of life. N-Town is a seemingly really fun place. Everybody is... Uh, uh, painting and playing and uh, doing various sports or uh, singing there's a lot of life compared to the uh, you know fairly drab but expensive environments that we've seen the the seas uh, trooping through uh, we learn that a lot of ends are responsible for amazing accomplishments in in the arts and entertainment just because of how they throw themselves into life at the age of 13 uh, their parents are usually dead and they're given full control over their careers and their future and what they want to do with their lives it's an interesting kind of interrogation almost of what it would be like if 
we didn't have you know that that last 30 or 40 years that keeps getting longer for everyone to think about we put so much um kind of stress behind the idea of you know what are we going to do when we get there how are we going to make sure that we just have somewhere to sit and exist in dignity you know when we are in our dotage uh removing those years altogether and quite a few more obviously removes the the problem for all of uh, the ends and uh, they're just having fun obviously with the uh, the very cruel payoff that um, they don't get to live very long lives but it made me think about all these things and it's very interesting um, the way that they all throw themselves into into life there's uh, there's a lot on the plate here that um, that this story is dealing with so I think out of all of these that I've seen so far, these SF8 episodes, um, this is the one I think should be a, a film or a drama series, work it up into something else. Firstly, the concept is excellent. It has the best ending of any of these, um, which is, uh, I think it's an uncommonly good ending for a sci-fi short of any kind. Uh, and the quality of acting from the leads is terrific. Uh, this story made me sad. It brought me joy. The relationship between the two characters is brilliantly done and feels so genuine. Everything falls into place here. There, there is the making of uh, classic sci-fi here, I feel. Number two most important one to see after the prayer, or if you're more a slice-of-life person than a Denis Villeneuve fan, then uh, probably see this first. But an incredible batting average to have two really must-see sci-fi stories in these first four episodes. Finally, episode four, Blink. This is directed by Han Karam. It features Yi Siung as Jiwoo and Ha Jun as Seonang. And much like in iRobot, this is about a detective who has reasons to dislike AI. Jiwoo's parents were killed in an accident involving a self-driving car. And now as a cop, she has brain implants that assist her with identifying and pursuing suspects. She's a bit like Denton from Deus Ex. After she screws up an investigation, she is given an experimental AI program that appears in her mind as a man called Xionang, who gives her information and can help her in fights. Then she starts falling in love with him, and there isn't much else to this. Uh, it's the only one of these films so far that, to me, doesn't really have an interesting sci-fi concept to it. It's uh, basically um, uh, cops with uh, cybernetic implants, um, and then she starts falling in love with a man who only she can see. Um, that's about it. I was hoping for more E.C. Young action after Sweet Home and No Mercy, um, both of which on Netflix, by the way. And there is some, um, but I don't know why she's playing an inept cop in this who has a man in her head telling her how to be better. Uh, this incredibly ripped and strong woman uh, is not the casting choice for a bumbling cop who needs a cheeky AI program to program her fight moves for her. So weird decision there. I know that, like many of the others, this was based on a pre-existing short story, I think. Um, so they were casting for a character. Um, they weren't casting around uh, having Issa Young uh, available to them. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why they chose her. Um, she's great in fight scenes, and so it seems awkward trying to show it as if she needs this, uh, this young lad um, to uh, show her how to fight. It, it just comes across as disingenuous. I did like the training game they have in this, which is like 3D Tetris with the blocks flying towards you. Um, 
but yeah, overall not to the quality of the others, um, but for four 52-minute films, I think I've had more than the the value for my time with the the first three, particularly one and three, um, The Prayer and Chern's Galaxy. Uh, you've got to see those. If you like sci-fi, if you like a K-drama, if you like any of the uh, actors that I've mentioned, um, then uh, I really recommend it. I hope you'll want to check out at least one of these. I'll cover the other four uh, soon, as I'm also looking forward to finishing the series, basically. You can follow this show on at kbotakpod, K-B-O-T-A-K-P-O-D, on Twitter and Instagram. Retweets and shares are much appreciated, and if you'd like to talk about Korean films and K-dramas and just chat and see what people are watching and what they're talking about, please do join us on Twitter. We do that a lot. Uh, The podcast is twice a week, uh, but we're chatting there every day, so do come and join in. Best of all, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening. Cheers.